Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Well, welcome to week two of Love and War. That was the Civil War's singing Poison and Wine. And today, that's the topic of our discussion. So if you have your Bibles or you use an app, weighing against that, turn them to Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible, and I will land there in a minute. Today, I want to answer the question, it, it, all is fair in love and war. And, and I don't believe that to be true. There's got to be rules. There has to be a way that we, guidelines in which we participate in any relationship. You know, once the honeymoon is over, I really think that the battle begins. I just saw this week, my cousin got married a couple of weeks ago. She's about 10 years younger than I am. And her husband, while she was sleeping, went to Panera, got her her favorite bowl of soup, got her her favorite dessert, picked up some ice cream on the way home. Then they decided they were going to sit and cuddle in front of the television together and watch The Notebook. I immediately vomited upon reading this Facebook post. And then I remembered they have been married two weeks, right? So when the honeymoon is over and then the person that you're living with does smell funny and isn't always fair, that's what I want to talk to you about today, is getting through the poison to the wine of your relationships. Today, we are going to learn how to navigate through some of the hard times of marriage and the hard times of any relationship and learn to enjoy um, the wine. And we're going to take some biblical principles so, um, and, and learn to apply them to our lives. You know, there's a line in that song that says, I don't always, I don't love you, but I always will. And I don't have a choice but I still choose you. So I don't know where everybody is in their relationship status. Unless you're a friend of mine and you have updated it upon your Facebook profile, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're single. I don't know if you're married. I don't know if you're divorced. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. But what I want to tell you today, my goal today, is no matter what relationship that you're in, I believe this information will help you. You know, I was in leadership for years in, 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 um, uh, for the Fortune 500 company, and one of the things that I learned, I'm learning to get better at it, I'm not always great at it, but one of the things that I want you to take today is you can apply this in your workplace, you can apply this with any relationship you have, and if you ever want to get married or plan on getting married later, just... Just take this as a, a preemptive strike. I mean, take notes, write some things down, and learn how to apply it to your relationship. So, I don't love you, but I always will. I don't have a choice, but I still choose you. The first thing that I need you to do when it comes to enduring the poison is to choose to endure. Why don't you stand with me and let's honor the reading of God's word. We're going to read Exodus chapter 16. Then I'll pray and explain this verse. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat with meat pots and in the bread of full 
For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Jesus, we love you. It's under your great name that we gather today. And I I pray that, that, that you would open our hearts to hear what you want us to hear. I pray that uh, it would, the seed today would fall on good ground. Father, I pray that you just speak boldly through me and, and help us in all of our relationships to endure the poison to get to the wine. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Here's the first thing that you have to do whenever you choose to endure. You have to remember what you fell in love with about your spouse. You have to remember what it was that that drawed you into whatever relationship that you were in. Let me explain this verse in context. The children of Israel have been freed from slavery. They were slaves. They were brick-making slaves. And they were slaves to Egypt. God, through some really cool miracles, and you can read it in Exodus, frees them as a people. They go into the wilderness, and they start to wander. And God has met every one of their needs. Every one of their needs. And yet, these people are still finding themselves grumbling and complaining about the quality of life that they have. They're grumbling and complaining about the food that is literally falling from heaven. They're grumbling and complaining about their provision. And that's where some of you are in your relationships. Nothing is ever good enough. It's not. It's not. Let me give you an example. You might come home and for some reason heaven has opened up. Angels have fallen from heaven, helped your husband do a load of laundry, and it ended up on the couch. Ladies, that was a miracle in itself. It's a miracle. He figured out how to open the dryer, pull the stuff out of the dryer, and then he moved it to the couch. But here's what you do. It's not folded. It's not folded. Gentlemen, this is what you do. For some of your ladies in your life, you come home to a hot meal. And this is what you say, I cannot believe there's no cheese for this chili. Are you kidding me? Well, we shouldn't even have chili. I might as well just have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I hope she shoves a tub of peanut butter down your throat. That's what we do. Nothing is ever good enough. We do not remember what we fell in love with about our spouse. The first thing you need to do to endure the poison, because there will be poison, there will be hard times, there will be trials, is to remember what you fell in love with. The second thing is probably the most important of what I will share with you today, and it's to pray scripture over your spouse. Now, my beautiful wife's name is Ashley, and she's upstairs serving today with our kids, and so I'm just going to insert her name so that I can teach you what I mean by this. You need to pray, and this is just one example, and it's in Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God in all remembrance of Ashley, always in prayer for my Ashley, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the day until now, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in Ashley will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. You need to be praying scripture over your spouse. You need to be praying scripture over your children. This is what we do a lot of times. We're like, oh, you know, I just wish my kid's heart would change. What you need to do is pray scripture over your children. I want you to remember what you fell in love with and pray scripture over your spouse. Josh, will you find something and prop open this door for me, brother? Thank you. Pray scripture. Guys, you can find different scriptures that you can pray over your family. 
You can find different scriptures that you can pray to build them up and to encourage them along the way. The third thing, when you're in a poisonous situation, is kill them with kindness. Now, some of you just heard, did he say I could kill my spouse? That's what the pastor said. No, I did not say that. I said kill them with kindness. This is the scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, let no corrupting talk. Say no No. corrupting Corrupting. talk. This is what we do. You do it under your breath. When they're leaving the room, like they can't hear you. Seriously. You start mumbling and complaining. And listen, if you're in, your, the, 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 if you're in a, um, a place in your life where you have kids, let me just tell you something. Women, when children are born, get supersonic hearing. They can hear a pin drop off of a crib in the other room. And I'm like, no, all I heard was the TV. I don't even know what you're talking about. So do not corruptively talk under your breath. Ladies, this applies more to you because dudes are weird. Um, If you're in a relationship and all you're doing is speaking negatively about your spouse and that person is encouraging that, cut them loose. Because what you need, you need to find a relationship that says, hey, what did you fall in love with him for in the first place? You need to find a relationship that helps the process along. Do not let corrupt talk come out of your mouth. This is what the rest of that scripture says. But only as what is good for building up or fit for the occasions, that it may give grace to those who hear. Some of your relationships would look dramatically different if you would just start building each other up with words instead of tearing each other down. So the first thing you need to do is remember what you fell in love with when you're enduring poison why you chose that relationship. Let me give you a way that you can apply this. Some of you are working for somebody and now they're just a dreaded boss and you don't even like going into work and you're just overwhelmed by them. And this is what you do at lunch. You tear them down, you tear the company down and you wonder why you walk around as a depressed individual. Because you're in a, you're in a relationship with your employer and all you do is nag and complain. Now listen, I understand that there are seasons but a lot of you are forming and shaping your environment by the words that you're choosing to use. If God has you in a place, there is purpose for it. He has intentionally placed you in this place, in this time, for a purpose. Even if the person you're working for is annoying, even if the person that you're working for is too hard. Endure the poison. And then uh, this is number whatever we're on. I think it's four. Set a Christ-like example. Jess is always organizing everything for me. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, Therefore be imitators as, of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. I'm going to read a quote by Timothy Keller, and I want you to listen, and I'll explain that point. In any relationship, there will be frightening spells in which your feelings of love dry up. And when that happens, you must remember that the essence of marriage is that it is a covenant, a commitment, a promise to future love. So what do you do? You do the acts of love despite the lack of feeling. 
You may not feel tender, sympathetic, or eager to please, but in your actions you must be tender, understanding, forgiving, and helpful. And if you do, love, if you do that, as time goes on, you will not only get through those dry spells, but they will become less frequent and deep, and you will become more constant in your feelings. This is what happens if you decide to love. Some of you are in or were in coming out of or enduring tough relationships. You have to be counterculture. See, culture tells you when it gets hard, just bail. There's more fish in the sea. Culture tells you, you know what? Listen, whenever you're having a tough experience, it's all about you. Just walk away. And what I want to challenge you to do is to get through those dry spells. Now, I, I almost, uh, I saw a picture at my mom's this weekend, and I almost, um, I almost grabbed it, and I totally forgot to do it. Um, I know you all think I'm really good looking, right? Got it all together. Eloquent speaker. My voice is like, you know, nails on a chalkboard. Um, and, uh, but when Ashley married me, I was like 140 pounds, and I was 20 years old. 21. I, I turned just 21. I, I, was, I was 21 years old. She was 19, and I talked her into marrying me while we were in Las Vegas. It was the smartest thing I'd ever done in my whole life. The way that she loves me today is nothing like it was 15 years ago. It's different. It's evolved. It's grown. There's been really ugly circumstances that we got through. And there's been challenges that only by the grace of Jesus did we make it through them. We were newlyweds, and we had a couple of kids, and uh, we'd been married a while, and, and we just decided we were going to call it quits. We decided, you know what, there's no way I'm going to live with you the rest of my life. And she decided that she was going to go with me no matter where I went. And uh, I, I tried to talk her out of it and told her I was worthless. And, and, and we were in this situation where we almost ended it all. And I look back now, and had we made that decision, our, both of our lives would have looked dramatically different. We endured a lot of poison to get to the wine. This is what I want to say to you. Some of you have already been, you cut bait and you exited out of some tough relationships. I'm not here to ask you why. My goal is not to condemn anything that you've done or the decisions you made. What I want you to, so you don't think, well, man, he's, man, I, should, I, I really messed that up. That's not what I want you to think. What I do want you to think is okay, I'm going to be ready for this next person that God blesses me with. I'm going to go ahead and make a commitment to endure the poison. Why do we endure the poison? We endure the poison to enjoy the wine. You want to go ahead and grab that for me? Yeah. Enjoy the wine. I love, I don't love you, but I always will. I don't have a choice, but I still choose you. The first thing you need to do is choose to endure. The second thing you need to do is choose to walk in joy. Author Fawn Weaver said this, happily ever after is not a fairy tale. It's a choice. Some of us just have to choose, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're enduring, that we're going to make this relationship a fairy tale. We're going to make the very best of it. So how do you do that? Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is what it says in verse 8, in the beginning of verse 9. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him and stand firm in your faith. The first thing you need to do is just be present. Be present. Be, I mean, this is so crucial for your kid's life, but this is even more important in, any, in, in every relationship that you're in, especially with your spouse. Be present. What does that mean? This is, let me give you an example. Uh, Ashley and I decided the other night, we'd had a long day, we'd put all the kids in bed, and we were just going to watch something on Netflix, and one of my daughters was still up, and she came in the room, and she said, are you guys even watching that? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it was 30 Rock. I mean, it's hilarious. We're watching it, and she goes, both of you are staring at your phones. And it made me realize that here we are having bonding time, watching something on Netflix and taking in social media. Guys, you have to remove the distractions. Now, some of you ladies are going to get offended, and that's okay because I'm your pastor and I love you. My wife, we were talking about this if gathering that the ladies attended on Friday. And on Friday, she told me, she goes, Ronnie, she goes, I, I, was, I was listening to one of the greatest authors in our country speak, and people were just scrolling through Facebook on their phone, not even paying attention, not even listening. And so I don't know what she did on Saturday. What she told me she was going to do, she was going to gather all your phones up in a basket. That's what I told her to do and take in the conference. Guys, we live such distracted lives where God is putting people in your path and you don't even notice it because you're looking down at your phone. My son tells me this past week, he goes, hey, dad, I want to tell you something. And I said, okay, what? And I'm still doing, he goes, no, dad, I need you to stop and listen so that I can tell you this. It wasn't life changing. It really wasn't that impacting. But in that moment, he knew that he wanted to communicate something to his dad, so he, I, he had to grab me and make sure that I was listening. That's horrible parenting 101 for those of you that are taking notes. And yet, this is how we treat every one of our relationships. If you are a teenager, I would cut your fingers off. That's what I would do. So that you're not, especially your thumbs. Because you're going to be 30 years old and your thumbs are going to be able to work because you have carpal tunnel because you've been texting 10,000 text messages a month your whole life. Put your phone down. Listen to your parents. Cut some ties from social media. Guys, it's like, hello, pot. My name's Kettle. I mean, I know I'm calling the Kettle Black here, but what, my point is this. You have to be present in every relationship. That's the only way you're going to enjoy the wine. You go through life and you have these experiences and you look back on them and they were wonderful and you weren't even paying attention. They're, they're memories that you posted on Facebook instead of actually experiencing. Be present. The second thing you have to do is make memories intentionally. This is Psalms 103. It says this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. This is how I want you to apply that principle. Some of you put these great things and these memories on Facebook. You put them on social media. Some of you are journalers and you write things down and you take notes and you learn how to apply them to your life. I need you to intentionally make memories. Intentionally make memories. I told you last week, man, don't, don't talk to me about we don't have money to do things. 
When you want something done, I was telling you about my wife. She's driven, and she wanted to go to this woman's conference. She didn't say she didn't have the money. She didn't make excuses. I told her there was no way that we could afford it. There was no way, although I think the church should be able to, couldn't afford to send her. She just started selling stuff to make it happen. So don't use finances as an excuse. We went to this park that we hadn't been to since the kids were really little, just because we hadn't lived on this side of town. We took our kids there a couple of weeks ago, and they keep talking about they can't wait till spring comes. And I'm like, for what? And they're like, we want to go back to that park again. I mean, it's something as simple as that. The ladies were at the if gathering yesterday, and and we don't have a lot of extra money. And I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to drive to Oklahoma City. We have a pass. And we took my kids to the science museum, and we spent all day there. They were so exhausted. Every one of them fell asleep on the way home. They had a great time. We were hanging out with friends that lived in the city. it, It was a day that what I could have done is just brought them up and hung out somewhere else. I could have just went over to somebody's house and killed time while the ladies were sitting in my house, but I knew I was going to preach this today. So I had to go and intentionally make a memory. Isn't that sad? Thank you. It's truth. This is how we live our lives. We are so busy. You know, my daughter's on the front row. She's going to be 16 here in a few months, and every time I think about that, I almost want to pass out. And... um, I remember holding her at four months old, and I'd just taken her out of the bath, and we're having this cute little daddy-daughter time, and I held her above me. I said, Madison, you are so beautiful, and she went and threw up right in my mouth. It landed right in my mouth. I would trade almost anything to be holding my soon-to-be 16-year-old daughter in my arms again as a four-month-old baby. You need to intentionally make memories because although right now in this season of life, it may not feel like they are ever going to leave your house, (laughs) they eventually will. With your spouse, your spouse deserves your very best. The dudes of audacity, I keep running men off because I don't pull punches and I'm okay with that. Most men I know are soft. Um, I tell them that whenever they come home from work, that's when their second shift starts. You don't get to come home and be tired, men. You don't get to come home and not engage your kids because you're tired, men. You don't get to come home and not date your wife because you're tired, men. You need to intentionally pour into your spouse. You need to intentionally. Guys, listen, we don't have a lot of extra. We, We don't. We don't. This is what we do. We go and peruse a bookstore. They don't charge you to get in. They don't, and we just hang out because we know we need time away for just Ashley and I. Because if we don't, we're going to grow further apart. That leads me to my next point. You need to date and love your spouse well through the wine seasons. I'm going to read a verse. Some of you are going to blush, and you probably should. Verse 5 of Proverbs 5, verse 18. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Guys, don't call your wife a deer or a doe. I don't know why they use that terminology, but she isn't going to think that's cool now. Call her a butterfly or something more feminine, unless she's a hunter, and then I don't know, maybe she takes it as a compliment. 
a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you all the time with delight. Be intoxicated. Another translation says, ravished always in her love. Let me explain this to you. If your wife has got blonde hair, guess what? You're into chicks with blonde hair. If because it's February and she decides she's going to color her hair red, guess what? You're into ladies with red hair. If your wife, after having multiple children, decides to stack on a couple of pounds, guess what? You're into a chick that's just a little bit frumpier than she was when you met her. Ladies, let me explain this to you. Your husband is like me, and I'm sorry. We do concentrate and work out, but it's on one ab. We just have one. Some of you ladies want a dude with six abs. We don't have six abs. We got one. So right now you are into a guy with one ab. You need to be into who you committed to be into. And it doesn't get to change. This is what happens. We are so distracted, so distracted. I read the same news websites every day. There's about six of them. It's one of the first things I do. And I, and I just take in information. It's the only way I stay culturally relevant. I don't watch television. So this is how I do it. And the other day, I see an ad. It was on a news line of a photo shoot for this new book coming, or, or for a book that's been turned into a movie. And I have heard what this book was about, Fifty Shades of whatever. The temptation initially is to click on that link. There's no reason for that. Me and Ashley have a fantastic relationship. I've never really had that problem that a lot of guys I walk through life with have had. I don't think of them any less. But the temptation is all around you, whether it's in a book that paints a picture of somebody that, that isn't your husband. I always joke, and uh, somebody, let me just tell you this. If you're a guest with us at Audacity, we ask you to hang, at least try us out three times. One, uh, you may not like the music, but you, uh, but you might like the preaching, all right? Or maybe you don't like the preaching, but you really like the music. Either way, hang around us. Or the third reason is you're going to connect with somebody in the next few weeks that, man, you find out they're in the same season or coming out or going into the same season of life you're in, and we want you to hang around and get to know them. So the, the, the reason I'm saying all this is I want you to know this. Don't, don't get offended. Don't leave. Don't be mad at me, okay? A lot of you are measuring up someone that you committed to by somebody else's spouse. You're looking at the highlight reel of another marriage and thinking you understood how they got there. Ashley and I hear this all the time. You guys have such an amazing marriage. You guys are, you know, you guys talk about intimacy, you know, and and, and the importance of it. And and people think, I'm like, no, no. I fight with her. We do it at least once a quarter, but that's just so we can have, you know, makeup intimacy. It's just much more fun and intense. And so I want to make up with her. She's not in here today, so don't tell her that secret. Um, But some of you, let me give you an example. I am not handy. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. So said the guy that brought a pink toolbox to the last men's event. Um, um, He did. And uh, I, so it's a true story. Um, I'm not, but I have friends that are. And so, like, if, if I need something done, I call one of them so that it's done right. 
Ladies, don't think that your man is going to be something that he's not. Don't try to make him into something that you think is really just pleasing to the eye, but you really don't want anything to do with. How do you enjoy the wine? You be present. Get off social media. Clear your calendar. If your kids, if you're a slave to your children's calendar because of the activities that they are in, it's time to cut some things loose. Make memories intentionally. There is a season for everything. Date and love your spouse well. How do you get through the poison? You get to the wine you love. You choose love. I don't love you, but I always will. I don't have a choice, but I still choose you. You have to choose to love. How do you measure this? I think there's, one, there's four scriptures, four verses in all of scripture that you probably should turn to once a week and say, hey, am I being this to my family? Am I being love to my spouse? Am I being love in all the relationships that I'm on? Andrew's going to slap it up on the screen. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does, does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So what I need you to do, I'm only going to give you one homework assignment. Everybody say homework. I want you to read these four verses every day this week. But instead of the word love, I need you to put your name there. I need you to say this, Ronnie. Don't say Ronnie, use your name. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Don't get home, y'all. Like, sorry, it'd be weird. Ronnie is patient and kind. Insert your name here. Does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Ronnie bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Ronnie never fails. If you will apply these four simple verses to your life every day, it will dramatically change every relationship that you're in. I'm going to close with this uh, verse. I need you to know this. Marriages suck. They're hard. They are. You're, you're marrying somebody that their whole life has taught to be selfish. The first word your spouse, the person you're in a relationship with, learned after mom or dad was mine. That was their first word. And they grow up their whole lives saying, mine. And they don't understand how to selflessly give. And some of you are saying this, man, you don't know the cat I'm married to. He's insane. I couldn't even get him to come here with me this morning. You don't know the lady that I'm married to. You don't know the person I divorced. You don't know. You don't know. I, you're right. I don't. All I want to do is talk to you today. And I'm going to close with this. I need you to endure the trials because my promise is it will be worth it all. The scripture says this in James chapter 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or various kinds. 
For no, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I can look back 12 years ago and know that Ashley and I could have called it quits. And some of you are in relationships where they're hard and you're ready to call it quits. All I can challenge you to do is endure the trials, endure the poison, and get to the wine because it's worth it all. Some of you are in circumstances that you and you didn't know you were going to have to go through when you made that commitment. You didn't know that that's what was going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm telling you today, just endure the trials. Count it joy. If you, a lot of us just need to shift the way that we're looking at a problem. Instead of seeing then the challenges in the problem, find the joy in the problem. In the circumstances that you're in, that are you're losing sleep about, that are overtaking your mind, what I want you to do is just shift the way that you see that trial. Shift the way that you see it so that you know that you, you're going to get through it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.